Millions of dollars spent on multiple victims. The dirty details that just keep coming out about Hockey Canada. In federal hearings yesterday, Hockey Canada disclosed that it has paid $8.9 million since 1989 to settle 21 cases of alleged sexual assault. And a lot of that money, the bulk of that money, um, almost $8 million of that, has come from registration fees that parents and players didn't realize were going into this what's being called a, a slush fund. Uh, the company is saying, well, look, we insurance can't cover every claim, so that's what this fund was, was built for. Uh, but there are a lot of calls now to just blow the organization right up. Uh, Conservative MP John Nader, who's been very vocal about this story, says Hockey Canada uh, needs to get their CEO to step down. For the good of hockey, for the good of the countless volunteers across this country, the good work that countless blameless people are doing in the sport of hockey, I strongly believe there needs to be new leadership within Hockey Canada. Let's uh, dive into a conversation on this with Ian Mendez, who's a senior writer with The Athletic and co-host of The Athletic NHL podcast. He's been uh, covering this extensively over the last uh, while, and there are so many layers to it. So, uh, Ian Mendez, thanks so much for joining us this morning. How are you? I'm I'm terrific. Thanks so much for having me. Why don't, yeah, why don't and why don't we start with that big question? Do you do you just have no choice at this point uh, but to blow up Hockey Canada and start again? That was, I think, the sentiment from the majority of uh, MPs who came out to speak to us yesterday. You know, after the hearings wrapped up, uh, you know, whether it was John Nader, whether it was uh, you know uh, uh, Kevin Waugh or. Uh, you know Sebastian Lemire, or you know, uh, you know, go go through the list. Peter Julian, I, they were all pretty outspoken, saying, "Look, listen, uh, this is a systemic issue that needs to be tackled from the top down," and and I think um, that's probably how the majority of Canadians are feeling. Mm-hmm. They they have lost faith in uh, the, the the direction of Hockey Canada. That it's an echo chamber. That it's the same group of people that have been at the helm of this for a long time. Um, I think it's time that the, you know, the, the complexion of that leadership group changes. And, and I, I think that's the feeling from a lot of people coming out of this is that they felt like the answers that were given by Hockey Canada executives, not only uh, yesterday, but even back to June, have been unsatisfactory, left people wanting more. There's more questions than answers. And, and when you have that, I think you simply do have a, a, a pretty wide call for change i feel like i can see how this is going to play out and that the ceo is going to become you know kind of the scapegoat or the figurehead for this story the calls for him to step down he will have to but then what i mean there has to be more change because as you just you just said ian this points to a systemic issue of culture we're talking about 21 cases of alleged sexual assault and those are just the ones that are reported those are just the ones that have been you know, taken care of with cash. There, there must be more. So what else, what else do you do in order to change the culture of this organization? Yeah, and that's just it. You, you mentioned it. 21 cases that we know of that have been settled in a financial manner by Hockey Canada. Um, how many more? It, 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 like, are we just seeing the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, know you, you go back to, you know, Rick Westhead, who's just done a terrific job with TSN, uh, breaking a lot of these stories and sort of opening the door for the rest of us to kind of come in. Uh, he detailed what allegedly happened in 2003 um, in, uh, in Halifax at the World Junior Championship. This is a systemic and pervasive problem. And if you want to fix it, put for starters let's see some women at the table let's see some women uh in positions of power and um 
I, I truly feel like from the bottom of my heart, if there were women in that room uh, making decisions, a lot of this would have stopped because I, I think the majority of women that are listening to us right now have felt like they have been harassed have felt like they uh, have been abused and, and neglected and all of those things. Well, listen, it is time for us as men to call each other out and to also put women in positions of power in, in sports, in government, in, poli in politics, and CEOs at all these levels. Um, we need to do that. And so I think for me, um, that's my big takeaway from this is there was, uh, you know, I think seven people from Hockey Canada sitting down yesterday uh, in that room uh, were associated with Hockey Canada or, or, or hockey in this country. They all look the same. Mm -hmm. and, and we got to change that. If we want, um, you know, a, a different result, you can't. I think Sheldon Kennedy said it the best uh, the other day when he said, and then Sheldon, you know, is, is somebody who speaks um, from, from the heart and passionately about being a victim of abuse within the hockey uh, ecosphere, saying you can't, like, it's insanity to go back with the same group over and over again and expect different results. So that's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in boilerplate uh, press releases and action plans. I, I'd like to see some tangible, concrete proof of change here. And we'll see whether that happens. I don't see that there's going to be much choice either. Like, how else do, do they move forward? But on, on that, and you mentioned Sheldon Kennedy. We talked about the payments. I know that a, a grand majority of that, those those near eight-some-odd million dollars, a lot of that went uh, to cases related to Graham James way back when. And, and so I mentioned that because... It's not just Hockey Canada that's under scrutiny here, nor should it be. There has to be other levels of, of junior hockey, different levels of hockey, different tiers of hockey, where there is an allegation that this culture is pervasive, not just in Hockey Canada, but across the board. Do you agree that it is, and that needs to be addressed on a whole lot of levels? Yes, I do agree with that. And I think what was a little bit disappointing yesterday, and they had the, the commissioners from each of the three... Uh, hockey leagues up there. So the Ontario Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, which I'm sure your listeners would be familiar with, but, you know, the Oil Kings and whatnot, and uh, uh, the Quebec Hockey League. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 uh, the president of the uh, Quebec Hockey League, Gilles Corteau, spoke about, you know, each, each president or commissioner of the league was asked about, you know, these pervasive problems in your league uh, that don't necessarily have to do with Hockey Canada, but are in your league. And Gilles Corteau said, look, um, we, we've we've had one or two incidents reported in the last five years, but that's about it. And and he said, look, for, for, we can't do. And the thing, you know, the comment that stuck with me resonated with me is he said, we can't do anything about the cases that aren't reported. And I thought, are you kidding me? This is exactly what this is about. This is about being proactive right. and being preemptive. This isn't about well, we can't do anything about the cases we don't hear about. No, you can. Like this is like legitimately what we're telling you is. Be proactive. Don't be reactive. And, you know, the other thing, too, is the Ontario Hockey League in 2014 uh, started a program called Onside, which was designed specifically to teach their players in the Ontario Hockey League about gender-based violence, domestic violence, sexual assault, consent, you know, all of the things that we're, we're talking about today. And if I had a chance to ask a question to David Brantz, the commissioner of the OHL, which I didn't yesterday because he didn't take any questions from the media, I would ask him, listen, the eight players that are alleged to have done this to the young woman in a hotel room in London, Ontario, some of them were in the Ontario Hockey League, we think. And some of them would have gone through your training in 2015, 16, 17, whatever, and yet they still chose to act in that manner. Mm -hmm. Would you not agree 
that we have a pervasive problem that needs to be tackled at the root level that goes even even younger than the OHL. Like, I, uh, if you're asking me where the problem is, we need to get to 11, 12, and 13-year-old uh, boys or, or young men or adolescents, whatever you want to categorize them, and teach them there. My concern is when they get to junior hockey and they're 15, 16, 17, 18, this mindset and toxic uh, behavior it's almost indoctrinated right. into them and we need to do a better job within the hockey world of rooting that out yeah I mean it kind of it, it breeds in this environment where you're you're held up and you're propped up in this elite position of you know being so celebrated as an athlete that you feel untouchable and I think about the story that happened allegedly in Halifax in 2003 and you know the the details coming out of that certainly point to a very calculated planned situation where multiple people would have known what was about to happen to this young woman who was in that case again allegedly assaulted by multiple people and so it, it just seems to point to this these situations that these players feel like they can do whatever they want and you're right I think that that begins at a young age and needs to be addressed from those young ages and when you think about the the situation that potentially happened in 2003 some of those players would have gone on to the nhl could have been playing for almost 20 years at this point we're hearing some very careful comments from some of those players as people are trying to figure out who could have been involved some lawyers speak from some of those players um, and some others come flat out and saying i wasn't involved do you think that we're going to actually get those details of who those players were in those situations or do you think that they are just so protected at this point that we're not ever going to know names so I think uh, because there is now criminal investigations that have been launched not only by the Halifax uh, Police Department uh, from the 2003 incident you speak of, but also the London Police Department has uh, reopened the door to a criminal investigation, that now leads me to believe that we could potentially learn the identities of the players involved because if, if you know this uh, with, with the civil suits there was non-disclosure agreements there were settlements and things were kind of uh, you know wrapped in a cone of silence they're not afforded that luxury once uh, we get down the criminal thing uh, uh, avenue so that's something to remember uh, that yes this could this could all become public you know what i think is really uh, telling about the incident is that again this is we're, we're stressing this to the listeners this is all alleged right. behavior Okay, is that they are alleged to have videotaped using a basically a camcorder. Remember, this is 2003, so they didn't the smartphones weren't around. Using a camcorder and doing a mock broadcast of this, uh, you know, alleged assault. And I want listeners to understand the brazenness you would need to a uh, do that, but b like that just shows you 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 think there's no consequences. Imagine committing a crime and videotaping it because you're like, well, what's going to happen to us? Right. Nothing's going to happen to us. And that, you know, I think, uh, and we've spoken to, we've done some, some pieces with The Athletic about this cu culture in hockey and the, um, the direct correlation between sexual assault and, and, and gang rape mm -hmm. with junior hockey players. They don't look at these women as human beings. They are dehumanized. They are objectified. And basically, and as, as ridiculous as this is going to sound coming from me, because m most of our listeners won't uh, understand this, it's, they look at these types of activities as a ritualistic bonding exercise mm -hmm. for teammates. And it is disgusting. It is abhorrent. And if we don't start to correct this behavior, we're going to see this happen over and over and over again. And I think what's really disappointing is that uh, that event that happened allegedly in London in 2018, when you read the uh, details of that, you would think that's something from the 1980s yeah. or the 1990s. 
when we didn't know better. We know better, and it's time to start acting on that. I think you probably knew better back in the 80s and 90s, too. It was just uh, it was ignored even more. What happens next, and it, will it be fast? Uh, just before we run out of time here with you, Ian, will we see change in within Hockey Canada, for one, uh, sooner rather than later? It seems to me like the, the moment is now. Yeah, so bullet points here. Uh, the, the MPs told me yesterday they expect another round of these sort of hearings to happen in September, so think, you know, six, seven weeks from now. I would imagine between now and then there might be mounting pressure for changes in Hockey Canada, so that's something to look for. Remember, as I mentioned, London Police Department, Halifax Police Department, they have ongoing investigations. Hockey Canada has their own internal third-party investigation, and the National Hockey League has opened up their own investigation into what happened in 2018. So if you want to think about this, there's like three or four investigations all going on sort of parallel tracks and i think we're going to get to a conclusion at some point again my guess would be september and if there are nhl players involved in that the league has said that they would certainly uh, be open to some sort of sanction so um, i know that there's a rush to, to you know want to identify who these players are the only thing i would ask is you know what i would love if people put as much uh thought into who like who are these players think about the victim in, in this case, and in, in both these cases, think of how these young women have felt uh, seeing these stories dragged out in the news cycle and uh, maybe seeing these men make millions of dollars mm -hmm. um, while they have been left in, 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 in the background here. So uh, I'm hoping that we get uh, some, some justice for them if, if this all has happened as, as we think it might have. Well said, Ian. Thank you so much for your perspective. Can't wait to chat with you again. Yes, anytime. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.